Welcome to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. In chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 11, God tells the prophet, So will my word be which goes out of my mouth. It will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Standing on this promise, T.D. Stubblefield Ministries is committed to sharing biblical principles with individuals, families, churches, communities, and our world, believing that only the Word of God can advance us in God's perfect plan for our lives, where we can experience liberating faith, lasting hope, and unconditional love in a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Dr. T.D. Stubblefield with today's Advancing Word. Chapter 8 of Jeremiah, I want to encourage you to read the entire chapter as you have opportunity, but I want us to focus on verses 18 through 22. Jeremiah chapter 8, verses 18 through 22 in the King James Version. It reads, when I would comfort myself against sorrow, my heart is faint within me. Behold the voice of the cry of the daughter of my people, because of them that dwell in a far country. Is not the Lord in Zion? Is not her king in her? Why have they provoked me to anger with their graven images and with strange vanities? The harvest is past. The summer is ended and we are not saved. For the hurt of the daughter of my people am I hurt. I am black. Astonishment hath taken hold on me. Is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? Why then is not the health of the daughter of my people recovered? Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless his word. I want to share this morning from this text in Jeremiah and its larger context in the word of God. I want to talk about living with the questions. In this passage, Jeremiah laments. He grieves. He sorrows for the plight of Israel. Thousands of his kinsmen have been taken into bondage. They're living in captivity, forced captivity in Babylon. His anguish is demonstrated not so much by the answers he give, or the declarations that he make, but rather by the questions that he raises. If you read this chapter in its prophecy, there is one question after another. The questions in this chapter constitute some tragic parade, some sad processional as he raises and as God raises one question after another. In fact, there are almost as many questions in the chapter as there are verses. I counted 14 questions in the 22 verses that constitute this chapter. Priests and prophets, preachers and pastors are often sought after when answers are needed. We are often approached. People perceive that we have answers 
to the questions that they are wrestling with, that we have declarations to make to the questions that they have for us. And the truth of the matter is that often we have questions too. We are struggling through our own questions. Jeremiah certainly did. His questions weighed so heavily on him at one point in his ministry that he said, I was ready to quit. I was ready to throw in the towel, to, to walk away from my ministry. But when I got ready to do it, it was like fire. Shut up in my bones. We have questions too. Anybody that tell you they don't are not telling you the truth. And the reality is as well that often we are called to come alongside those who are struggling not through the answers in life, but through the questions that they find themselves having to live with. Why me? Why this? Why now? And we must stand in silence with them at times, being very careful and cautious that we do not attempt to give answers where there are no answers available. Yes, Jeremiah's plight, his predicament, is expressed so profoundly in this text. And looking at it, I see the arenas, the arenas where questions are raised that we have to live with. And I want to share three of those with you in this chapter and particularly in the passage that we've read this morning. We must live with the questions when our hearts or the heart is hurting. Jeremiah's candidacy and contract for heartbreak and grief, because we see him in this text. He's heartbroken. He's, he's grief-stricken. His heart is aching. Read the passage in different translations, and you will, you will sense his agony and his anguish. But our candidacy, as well as Jeremiah's candidacy for heartbreak takes place, is established the moment we decide to care about somebody other than ourselves. The only way, the only way you and I can avoid heartbreak or heartache in life is that we sequester or seal ourselves in some dungeon lock our affections and our love away and refuse to let anything in and let anything out. But because we choose to love and because we choose to be loved, we experience heartbreak and heartache. In this passage, Jeremiah's heart is the flywheel that drives the fountain of tears. In fact, it's an interesting note here. This is uh, just a teaching point. In the Hebrew Bible, there are 23 verses in chapter 8. Because while in our English versions, there's a separation at verse 22 and then chapter 9, verse 1. But actually the 23rd verse is Jeremiah saying to God, Oh, that my head was a fountain of tears and that I could weep for the slain of my people 
day and night. Jeremiah's tears is the fertilizer that enriches the ground of his suffering. The contemporary church can follow Jeremiah's example. We don't cry enough. We don't cry enough for the stuff that we see happening in our society. It's almost as if we become somehow anesthetized. We've had so much stuff that we've somehow insulated ourselves. We've locked our ability to weep up. We don't cry enough. These events raises questions. Can we be impervious to the questions they raise that something is amiss in our society? Jeremiah teaches us we don't cry enough. Our hearts need to be more broken. Because if we cried more, we pray more about the condition of our society. I ask myself, should we really be surprised? Should we really be surprised? Because like Israel, we have given ourselves over to our conceptual and material idols. Should we be surprised by these things in a culture where violence has been glamorized? The Bible has been ostracized. Where prayer has been marginalized. Where marriage between a man and a woman has been vilified. Where authority, truth, and tradition has been minimized. And where sex, money, and power has been idolized. Should we be surprised? We must live with questions when our hearts are broken. Jesus said, blessed are they that mourn. Jesus gives a blessing to those who have the capacity to weep. He says, blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. We live with the questions that becomes our fountain of tears. We live with questions when our heart is broken. But there's another reason we live with questions. Jeremiah says that we live with questions when the harvest is hidden. Not just when the heart is broken, but when the harvest is hidden. We must live with the questions that linger and lengthen like dark shadows in our lives. When what we have sown in, what we have poured in, what we've given ourselves to has blossomed and bloomed. And yet, at the end of the day, it fails to satisfy us. We thought we thought it would make us happy. We thought it would, it would fill the void. But the thing that we thought would satisfy us only exacerbated our pain. The farmer plows in anticipation of a harvest. The entrepreneur is in business for a profit. The banker invests money for a good margin of return. The athlete trains and competes not to lose but to win. 
And the surgeon operates with hope that healing can take place in the patient. Jeremiah dealt with the hidden harvest of the plight of his people because he expected deliverance. But he says in this text, I read it for you, he says the harvest is past. Summer is gone. And nothing has changed. There are those of us who are dealing with hidden harvests in our marriages and in our relationships, in our lives, in our callings. The harvest has come, the season fought, and we thought somehow our questions would be answered, but they still linger. They still linger. The ancient mystics had a term, early Christian fathers, they would talk about the dark night of the soul. They would talk about those times in our lives when we must in route to becoming all that God would have us to be, that we had to go through the valley, that we had to experience some disappointment and bewilderment and confusion and even the silence of God as we tried to move closer to where he would have us to be. George MacDonald, who was an inspiration to C.S. Lewis and a mentor to him, he talked about there are seasons in our lives where there's spiritual dryness, brittle, broken. And we want to say like David said, restore to me the joy. I asked God this morning, Lord, I need your spirit. Because the danger in ministry is you can learn how to do it. You can learn how to sing. You can learn how to preach. But if the Holy Ghost don't show up, sometimes when you're living with those questions, you just need something. When you have to stand with others and, and you have no answer, you just need the Lord to touch you. Just to reach down and touch you. MacDonald talked about when all is dark and there is no vision. When there is no harvest to represent your sacrifice. No harvest to represent what you've poured into. No summer left. Fall and winter is on the horizon in your experience. And your sun, the sun of your hope, the sun of your possibilities has been eclipsed by uncertainty. What do you do? Yeah. I was dealing with this question. And I was so blessed. I, I got a touch. I got a preliminary touch when I heard this song. Georgia Mass Choir. I've been through the fire. I've been through the flood. Broken in pieces. Left all alone. But through it all, God has kept me. And through it all, God has blessed me. And I still have praise, and I still have praise inside of me. There's some questions I have, but I still have a praise. There's some questions I have. There's some harvest that's hidden, there's some hurt in my heart, but I still have praise inside of me. 
We live with the questions. When the heart is hurting, when the harvest is hidden, we live with questions when the healing is halted. We live with questions when the healing we need, whatever form that takes, not just physical healing, it may be a, a spiritual touch you need, but, but when that healing is halted, hindered, delayed, deferred, or denied altogether, we, we must live with the questions. And so how does he end this chapter? He asks the question, is there no balm in Gilead? Is there no physician there? How many of you haven't felt that way? One of the most difficult things I do as a pastor is when I'm standing and praying with someone who's going through a physical storm. And I know in my heart, God has the power. Cancer is nothing in God's eyes. Heart disease, diabetes, none of that stuff is too hard for God. And when I'm standing there as they grapple with the question of their own well-being, knowing God is able, and I hear Jeremiah ringing down the corridors of time. Is there no bomb in Gilead? Is there no physician there? In Gilead, ancient antiquity studies show that there was this balm from a plant that was used in healing. Everyone knew that if you wanted healing, you go to Gilead because there was balm there. But you know what happened? Our ancestors, the black slaves, they took that question and through faith, they straighten out that question mark. See, that's what you got to do. You got to take your faith and, and you got to press, you got to press your faith up against that question you are dealing with, whatever that question is. And when you get through pressing it out, the question mark will be gone and there'll be an exclamation point. There is. I wish I had somebody here. There is a bomb in Gilead. There is. There is. There is a bomb. Oh, Lord. There is. There is a bomb. It's not a question. It's an exclamation point. God is still on the throne. I know there's a bomb in Gilead. Because he came down through 42 generations. He died on an old rugged cross. But early, early Sunday morning. If you're living with a question, I want you to know it's not the absence of power. God can. But God does not always do it. Or he does not always do it when we ask him to. But don't you ever doubt. Don't you ever doubt that God can. Do I have any witnesses in here? He may not come when you want him. But he's always on time.
You have been listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org for more information about us and to obtain resources provided by T.D. Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on certain truth for uncertain times.